Great podcast today for you. Uh, we cover everything that you need to know on uh, the election from last night in Iowa. Wasn't really a surprise, but there are some things that I think really now make a difference as we go forward. Um, and we talk about that, the pick of vice president, which I think could be coming soon from uh, Donald Trump, believe it or not. Um, but we also talk about the scandal in Washington on January 6th, some new information that Blaze Investigations has uh, brought out. We told you it was coming, but now we've released the actual videotape footage of it, and um, the Capitol Police say they're not going to investigate it at all. This is real corruption, provable corruption, that everybody needs to see and hear. We also talk a little bit about uh, Davos and what they're doing uh, to regain people's trust um, but also something that the president has just done with HHS, that if you're a doctor or nurse and you have you have things that you just won't do as a doctor or nurse because you believe in God, that's no longer an excuse, according to the Biden administration and the new HHS rules, all on today's podcast. Brought to you by Jace. JaceMedical.com. Jace Medical is the place to go if you are somebody who is concerned about the supply chain, who is concerned about antibiotics and some of those things that uh, modernity gave us in a world that is trying to escape modernity for some reason um, and is also on the verge. They're talking in Davos now about, you know, this is World War Three or at least the Cold War that we're facing now. China is um, is, you know, looking at Taiwan uh, Iran is now actively bombing and claiming credit for some of the bombings. Um, we could be looking at a really bad situation where supply chains break down. Most of our antibiotics come from overseas. In fact, I think in 19 or 18 of them out of the 21 most effective antibiotics come from overseas. If there's a breakdown of supply chain, how about your heart medicine, psychotic, uh, you know, uh, antipsychotic medication, you know, antidepressives, things like that. If you have diabetes or seizures, what are you going to do if the supply chain breaks down and you can't get it? That's where Jace Medical comes in. They'll get you a year's worth of supplies of everything you need. You can just start with the Jace case, which is five of the most important antibiotics for your home. You keep them at your home. You can have a year's worth of your medication at home, jacemedical.com, jacemedical.com. Use the promo code PREPARED at checkout and save. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Blaze TV depends on you i came up with this idea before netflix before hbo before anyone was streaming online let's get out of the mainstream media and stream online and this is when buffering was happening if you were one of the original supporters you know uh it was impossible and insane but i did it because i knew there would be a time when the mainstream media would completely burn itself to the ground and there needed to be voices that could only answer to you and this is where you come in when we ask for your support when we ask you to join us we know there are so many things that are pressing on you economically right now 
but we are trying to do everything we can to make our service better and more informative to really show you what's going on. And um, I tend to lean towards what's just over the horizon. Um, Colony Ridge is what's just over the horizon. We just did a, a documentary series. And so, you know, these are wildly expensive to do. It's why most people don't do uh, these documentaries who are, you know, just online. They're very expensive to do because it, they cost a lot in research and then manpower to put them together in a way that makes sense. The real story of Colony Ridge, which is a, um, it's a community that will have eventually, I think, 150,000 uh, residents, maybe up to 200,000 residents, is in Liberty County, a very, very red county, voted overwhelmingly for Donald Trump. Now we're importing all of these illegals. Most of them don't speak English. We don't know how many are citizens, how many are not, but the guess is majority uh, are not citizens. And they've completely changed the makeup of this community. We did a documentary on it because that's not really the story. When you watch this documentary, understand that this is coming to your state to your hometowns. This is what America looks like five years down the road if we don't stop this. Um, it's all totally legal. It's just unethical and immoral in my case, in my, my belief. But you decide. The documentary is available for Blaze TV subscribers. If you're not a Blaze TV subscriber, please consider it. We would love for you to uh, join us. You just go to Blaze originals.com and use the promo code colony ridge and you'll get a discount that'll give you the blaze tv plus subscription we're breaking another story at the top of next hour um we have done extensive research i mean like two years three years of research now and in fact we think one of our guys is actually going to be arrested at some point uh this month uh, for his investigation on this. It's totally legal, but he has finally gotten the proof from the January 6 tapes that show this was a lie, a total setup lie. We'll tell you about that coming up at the top of next hour, so don't go anywhere. And please join us at Blaze TV. It's blazeoriginals.com. Use the promo code Colony Ridge and save. Pat Gray joins us now from Pat Gray Unleashed. And Stu, mm -hmm. I haven't really heard your analysis of last night. So so Pat and Stu are here. Why don't mm -hmm. we start uh, with you, Pat? Okay. I uh, went about like I, well, it went almost exactly as I predicted it. Um, I think that's a surprise to everybody that Donald Trump won. But I knew. <laughs> really? I knew going you, in. Were the, yeah. you were the guy. Yeah, yeah I was, was the one. I was, was the, the dark one horse naysayer <laughs> in the crowd saying, I think Trump is going to win this thing. <laughs> I got the order exactly right up until... Ryan Binkley. Yes. Dang it. Oh. Asa Hutchinson. What that is the most devastating oh, story. Oh my gosh. If you're Asa, I mean, are you gonna are you gonna continue in this charade? Bink, could could you just tell us who Binkman is? Binkley? Binkman you mean Ryan, Ryan Binkley? Binkley. Uh, I mean Ryan Binkley. Yeah. Well, I was just joking there. I was he's funning you on that. He's a Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex businessman. Oh. Pastor, pastor right? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh-huh. 
He's from our hometown. <laughs> yes, and we've mm-hmm. never heard of it. And we've never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, but he beat Asa Hutchinson. <laughs> we started out the the morning by by uh, getting in touch with Steve Day, saying, "Steve, who's Ryan Binkley?" <laughs> it's like I don't know. <laughs> that is a really sad story. I mean, you know, Asa Hutchinson has been flying around the country by himself, coach flights, doing he's events with one person. Yeah, he's he's been on television on the debates. Yeah, now, I yeah. don't know if that helps your Q score and people know who you are, but Man, this other guy, not. Binkman. Binkley. Hasn't done any of those. Binkley no. and, and, hasn't done any of that. No. And, and the final, it was Binkley got zero point seven percent. Yeah. And Hutchinson got zero point two. It wasn't even close. He beat him by half a percent. Hutchinson barely, barely squeaked it out against Chris Christie, who yeah, dropped out of the, the race. race already. <laughs> now, barely the, the poll that I saw, the poll that I saw, it said Chris Christie negative point one. And I I know that has to be an error. Yeah, but then so. again, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this: I was happy to see DeSantis beat Haley. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that's what he had to do, right? Like he had he, the, to. The low bar he ha- yes. absolutely had to clear was not finishing third. He, he talked about his ticket got punched out of the Hawkeye State, and I think his ticket was I gotta beat Nikki Haley at least. Has to. Yeah, he yeah. has to. It would have been catastrophic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would have yeah. been immediately over and if yeah. he you were know to have lost. What's really bad is we have pitted DeSantis and Trump uh, against each other. I mean, this is a contest, but I would vote for either one of them. Uh, and I think most uh, Trump supporters would say that the same thing. If Donald mm-hmm. Trump were hit by a truck. I hope so. Yeah, I hope. DeSantis would be the guy. Uh, they're not going to Nikki Haley, um, mm-hmm. and uh, that—that's the unfortunate thing. When you know, I, I was really impressed with Donald Trump's uh, speech, the tone of his speech last night. You know, we all have to come together. Yeah, uh, and he was nice about he was Haley. about his he was nice. Ab- yeah, he was yeah. very kind and nice about that. Um, and one thing we haven't talked about is Vivek which I think Vivek drops out. Remember, he said he wasn't yesterday, but I figured he would. That was, uh, I think, um, to help Donald Trump in the long run because the Vivek people were also taking votes. Not that Donald Trump needed them, but he was also Mm -hmm. taking votes uh, away from Donald Trump. I can't help but wonder if Vivek's entire candidacy was to run interference for Donald Trump. That's what it seems like to me because... You know, he, he was always loyal to Trump. He really never said anything bad about him. I think the worst thing he did was take that photo op with the supporters who had yeah, stupid. Save stupid. Trump, vote Vivek. Uh, and that <laughs> pissed off Trump a little bit yesterday. So, yeah. and, and I don't even know that that came from his campaign. I, I think they might have just had that printed up on their own. I, I don't know. But he, yeah, it didn't uh, so sit let me well. ask you uh, save Trump, vote Vivek. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I get the message from the T-shirt. Yeah, me what neither. the hell does that mean? I think what it meant, you know, was basically, it, you know, Trump is going to be good. everyone's going to be going after him. If you vote for Vivek, he's going to pardon Trump, and oh, yeah. if they if they convict probably. him of all these yeah, things, probably. that was. I mean, he made that pitch during the debates. I mean, again, everyone's so sensitive in these times. Like the fact that he posted posed for a picture with a couple of people with a dumb yeah. message on their shirt. Like, right. Why? When he's been darn supportive. He's been incredibly supportive. I mean, honestly, time. at times it's felt like he hasn't even been running for president. I don't even yeah. know what he was doing on the campaign trail. Yeah, there, was there, saying, there have been a couple, 
there have been a couple of times in the debate where I'm like, Donald Trump doesn't have to be there. Right, Vivek yeah, Vivek's there. there. Yeah. And Vivek is saying that he's the greatest president yeah. of his lifetime. It's like, yeah. well, mm-hmm. uh, then you know. why would I vote for you? Right. But <laughs> oddly, one thing that's really an odd, odd complicating factor on this is I think there's an easy way to believe that Vivek was like, okay, I'm going to finish Iowa. I did my piece. I'll endorse Trump. Hopefully I'll become the VP or get some other role. And I've got a future in, in you know, the MAGA movement, right? I think that's a very easy, cynical way of looking at this. The one thing that complicates that is his interview yesterday, where he was more critical of Trump than I've seen him at any other point during the entire campaign. He seemed completely mm. convinced he was going to have this breakout moment with his ground game and everything else. And of course, every politician says that, and it never yeah. happens. But, it, you know, I don't know if he was really convinced of it because he sort of volunteered an anti-Trump argument in the last hours, which was a bizarre moment yesterday. Yeah, we were talking about it a little bit off the air, but he immediately finishes fourth and drops out and endorses Trump uh, in his, uh, his concession speech. Yeah, I, uh, I would hope that Donald Trump would pick him uh, as the... Um as the VP. vice president. I mean, Rumor I think he is would it's be... Haley, but I don't we'll think see. so. I will say I, hope not. I will be so. shocked I hope on that. Not. You know, it, Trump it, does not take kindly to people who trashed him and she began trashing him uh, you know, when he was still in office. Yeah. She she was trashing he him and does trashed have a way him of getting over since. such things though uh, <laughs> with anyone who supports him. All right, but like he has he's Trump can get over that pretty quick. I mean, you heard mm-hmm. him yesterday. He was like, you know, DeSantis and Nikki, great people, love them. We had a great Good contest. Job. We got to come together. Mm-hmm. Like, but he's already there because he between, thinks he's already won. Right. But there's a difference between Trump uh, saying nice things about you uh, and the Trump that trusts you and brings you into his inner circle. There's a very big difference. I think that I, I will be surprised because I he does get, you're right. I mean, he brought her in after she was very anti-Trump in the 2016 election, she, he brought her in for the UN ambassador gig. Um, and they've gone back and forth, warming and cooling mm-hmm. to each other. But one thing I was thinking about, t- tell me if I'm wrong on this. I had this theory, uh, I was thinking about this when they were talking about the VP. What's the one thing Donald Trump is going to try to cure from his last VP pick? The one thing that if you think if you ask donald trump about his vice president today what would be the first thing he would bring up loyalty the election the election loyalty mm-hmm. if if there is a person who he's thinking about to name as a vp and that person would be someone he could see having that mike pence no the constitution is too important again i'm thinking from his perspective oh the constitution's too important i'm not going to listen to you donald trump on this one mm-hmm. if he thinks there's any chance that person's doing it he's not picking them i can't imagine him doing that again that's a good point i think he's going i mean that would I, lean you toward vivek vivek or maybe uh, I, again christy i don't know how Nome. he sees these people but christy Nome or stefanik or mm-hmm. someone who would not? I, I, Nikki Haley is not the type of person who's going to be like, you know what? I'm just going to just uh, I'm just going to take whatever Trump wants. And I think he's going to want someone after this Pence experience mm-hmm. that he views that way. Again, that's his vi- his view. I don't think there's any chance he's going to pick someone who he mm-hmm. thinks might do that again. And Carrie Lake seems to be out. Car- yeah, Carrie Lake she, does well, seem to be right, out, but she, she would fit yeah, the profile. She fits that profile, yeah. but he said last night, you're going you're to make a great senator. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's yeah. got to have somebody that can make 
a strong, intelligent case. Mm-hmm. That's what he needs. Yeah. Somebody who looks stable and Vivek can make can do the that. case. Vivek, Vivek makes the case better than anybody I've heard yep. in a very, very long time. Maybe the first politician that I've ever uh, seen that could make the case and tear things apart uh, uh, and, and be accurate. Maybe ever. In my lifetime. Both Noam right. and Stefanik, though, have a, have a way of making that case, too, from a mm. totally different place yes. and a do- yes. totally different approach. And yes. also, you know, not as a... I, I don't know. Sometimes I think Trump doesn't like people who are arguing on his behalf that is that are too, yeah, too, know, too spotlight good. stealing, right? Mm. Yeah. I, I think they both would do... They do mm-hmm. a good job. They're smart. They fit but the profile. If you look, I've got to take a break, but if you look, Vivek, Donald Trump would be the kingmaker for a new generation and setting that new generation in place. I think that that plays a role. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Steve Baker, who we are, I don't say this, you know, happily, Steve, I don't mean to make this sound like it's a, something we're all excited about, but somebody that uh, is, I expected to be in jail already. Uh, and we're expecting that, you may not uh, last the month before you're arrested um, by the FBI. Any updates on that? The only update we have was given to my attorney between the week of Christmas and January 1st, and that was a conversation he had with the new U.S. attorney that has my case. And that new U.S. attorney told him that now they have moved my self-surrender date back to mid-January and that they would give me seven to ten days notice because they have, I will tell you, for two years they've respected my travel schedule and uh, have at least uh, shown that kind of courtesy. But um, it's the middle of the month now, and we still haven't heard back from them yet. Now, they did tell my attorney at the time when he asked, well, can you just let us know what the charges are going to be? And the AUSA said, um, no, we're not going to tell you. Well, why is that? And I, I kid you not, Glenn, the U.S. attorney told my attorney that they won't tell me what my charges are or what I'm facing because they said I will tweet it out immediately. Well... <laughs> Yeah, so what's the problem with that? I'm um, not exactly sure. Yeah. Okay, so Steve, so we have a lot of new people listening today. They they, you know, saw what happened in Iowa last night. They want analysis on it. We're gonna get that to you here in a second. Um, but for people who haven't been following why they're after you, it has to have something to do with the fact that you were in the building as a journalist, yeah. just like the ABC and NBC people, and you took video and you started to say this isn't the story that everybody is saying it is then about two months ago um you put together a video for the blaze that showed nancy pelosi's security detail who is instrumental in the convictions of a lot of these people tell me bring me up to speed we'll play the first part of the clip tell me what we're going to hear in this clip It's very important for people to focus in on one thing here. Special Agent David Lazarus, who was on the dignitary protection detail for Nancy Pelosi, he testified in the Oath Keepers trial that he witnessed 
the interaction between the Oath Keepers and Harry Dunn, Officer Harry Dunn, who's now running for Congress, by the way, uh, they mm. <laughs> yes, and that he saw this interaction, this highly antagonistic interaction between the Oath Keepers and Harry Dunn three or four times is what he testified in great detail in that trial. The problem with that, Glenn, was is that Special Agent Lazarus was not even in the same building. And we secured the Capitol CCT video that I don't think they ever thought we would mm-hmm. get access to showing so, that that's the truth. So let me let me play the first part of what just broke yesterday. It's from Blaze TV. Um, and it is an investigative report, again, by Steve Baker. Here's the, the setup of what Steve said prior to, so you'll understand the importance of this videotape in cut two. Listen. The story of David Lazarus on January 6th is very simple. Lawyers for Stuart Rhodes and four other members of the Oath Keepers on trial have suggested that the group helped Officer Harry Dunn. Dunn just took the stand and said flat out, quote, they didn't. Sentenced to four years in prison. Sentenced to eight and a half years in prison. Sentenced to 12 years in prison. Sentenced to 18 years in prison. His story that day is he was assisting the evacuation of the Senate at the time that the incident between Officer Harry Dunn and the Oath Keepers began. Outside of the rotunda, there was Harry Dunn. He's a Capitol Police Officer. He was freaking out. I mean, he was screaming. Oh, get the f- out of here! He had a uh, rifle. He, is, uh, he might get taken out, but he was going to take a bunch of people with him. He was definitely in a position where he could have done some damage. The Oath Keepers lined up between him and the more agitated protesters and assisted him in keeping them off of him. Don rejected the defense's argument that members of the militia protected him. I don't wow. conflate my story. He had two separate FBI interviews which were in conflict with one another. In the first FBI interview, he actually gave a favorable story about his encounter with the four Oath Keepers. And he stood in front of Harry Dunn for almost six minutes. After he was brought in for his second FBI interview, he changed that story. He was fighting back insurrection across the Capitol while being called the vilest racist names. So what they did is they brought in another officer, special agent David Lazarus, to kind of bolster that story and give it more credibility by saying that when he arrived at the top of those stairs that he saw Dunn standing at the top of the stairs being hassled by these Oath Keepers. At the time the Harry Dunn Oath Keepers encounter began, he was not in the same building. Wow. Now, what this video, if you're not a Blaze TV subscriber, what you're seeing on the screen are the timestamps. There's about eight different cuts there of where everybody is in the Capitol. Um, You see it on a map through graphics, but you also then see the Capitol cameras. What's so frightening about this, Steve, is um, they didn't think that anybody would get this footage. And the lie is is so clear that it is a lie. Um, And basically to put all of these people in jail based on that lie, it, it is terrifying what our government's willing to do to its own people. 
It's terrifying that they are still trying to cover this up. As a matter of fact, we learned just a few days ago that Capitol Police Chief Thomas Manger has stated that he has no intention to investigate this internally or to investigate the actions or the testimony of Special Agent Lazarus. That's correct. And what's What's also amazing, and we show this in this particular video, we show a screenshot of an internal Capitol Police leadership email that I received from one of my sources inside the building who sent this to me when back in the original release that we did when we started talking about this without the videos back in October, that they were very pleased that this story was not getting traction at the time. But now that we have the videos, this thing really blew up on the social media sites yesterday. Okay, so tell me what we're going to see and hear now, part two. This this basically is going to take us through the um, uh, the, the part where we see Lazarus now emerging to the area where he claimed that he was, but this is long after the Oath Keepers have left the building. They've certainly left the area and are exiting the building. But this, once again, it solidifies the fact that, and it it really brings home the fact, Glenn, that these individuals were testified against improperly. They were lied against they're certainly, at the very least, they're, uh, they're not only their convictions, but their sentencings were much worse as a result of these testimonies between Harry Dunn and Lazarus. And the fact is, is that neither one of these cops who testified in this trial could possibly have um, experienced what they said. As I said before, they gave very, very specific and detailed uh, testimonies, and both of them are not only in conflict with one another, they're in complete conflict with the truth okay here's part two this was released yesterday listen to this lazarus was just not there he could not have seen he could not have witnessed what was taking place because lazarus was in another senate office building across the street from constitution avenue so we were able to track lazarus on the capitol cctv cameras Lazarus can be seen moving away from the Capitol building through a lower tunnel at 2.37.59 p.m. Lazarus continues moving toward the Senate office buildings at 2.41.49 p.m. During Officer Lazarus's October 31st trial testimony, he stated that he began his return to the Capitol building after hearing shots fired over Capitol Police radio. That occurred at 2.43 p.m. Here, Lazarus can be seen moving back toward the Capitol at 2.45 p.m. Dunn's encounter with the Oath Keepers began at 2.44 and lasted roughly between five and six minutes. Here, Lazarus finally emerges from the tunnel back to the Senate side of the Capitol building at 2.48. Dunn falsely testified that Lazarus was already at the location where he encountered the Oath Keepers before he arrived. But Lazarus can be seen at the top of the elevator leading up from the tunnel at 2.48 p.m. on the Senate side of the Capitol over four minutes after Dunn encountered the Oath Keepers on the House side. I mean, how is this not being investigated? I, I guess this is where you come in. Um, if it isn't, if it wasn't for people like you, we wouldn't know. If it wasn't for places like the Blaze, this story wouldn't be told, and it would just go away. But 
in a surveillance state, and that's really what the Capitol grounds are. It's a surveillance state. You can track every movement of everybody and tie them all together. It takes a lot of time, as you know. But in a normal circumstance, this would mean that those people who were tried and convicted with this testimony, they would either uh, go for a mistrial or they would be immediately released. That's, that's the way America has always worked. And no one is doing anything about it. They think they're going to get away with it. Is that just because people aren't aware of it? Well, they're not aware of it, but I will tell you that we are working very, very closely with congressional members and staffers on this particular story, as well as the other stories that we're, uh, we've currently got in development. As a matter of fact, uh, Representative Barry Loudermilk, who is the um, uh, chairman of the subcommittee of oversight from House Admin, they just announced a couple of days ago that they have been given three times the number of staffers from House Speaker Johnson for the specific purpose wow. of investigating. January 6 matters, and I can confirm that now. But we have been, I have sat with uh, Mr. Loudermilk several times. I have uh, met with his uh, chief of staff and his staff members on many occasions now. And I think that at, le- at the very least, uh, before a committee is called or another J6 select committee is convened, they are going to bring these officers in for transcripted interviews under oath. Thank you very much, Steve. I really appreciate all of your work, and we pray for you. And I ask America, pray for Steve Baker. Um, He is under threat from the U.S. government just because he's telling the truth. How do I know it's the truth? He has the video evidence. Steve, thank you so much. Blaze Media correspondent and investigative journalist. Um, And if you don't have this uh, video yet, you can find it online. You can go to uh, blaze.com. You can also find it on Blaze TV. But tweet this out and spread this as much as possible. This tells a completely different story. And there is nothing but facts. You cannot argue this at all because everything is timestamped. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. So in Davos today, uh, they are talking about rebuilding trust. And the number one thing they feel is the greatest threat is misinformation and disinformation. The second biggest threat is misinformation and disinformation in elections. Uh, They believe that uh, people like me lie uh, and tell you falsehoods and, uh, you know, what we say about the uh, World Economic Forum is absolutely untrue. They're not trying to destroy. They're trying to build a better world where we all can be free. Uh, I don't believe any of that, um, but that's what makes me a threat. So they are trying to work on how to uh, combat disinformation, what they call disinformation or misinformation from people like me, how to combat people like me uh, and anybody who speaks out against the World Economic Forum, the WHO, COVID, any of that. They are also hearing um, uh, the arguments from the World Health Organization that disease X is right around the corner and they need to band together because Last time we acted fast, but this one's going to be worse. And we have to even act faster. 
And that's why we need to have, uh, you know, digital identities and national IDs. And we have to have all of our information given to the government. We got to do it quickly because of disease X. Now, I'm not an extremist. Um, I believe in the rights that were given to man, man, woman. I don't care if you're an independent Democrat, Republican, you're a space alien. I don't care. We are all created equal and endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. And those rights begin with our own bodies. And you can't tell me what I have to put in my body uh, to be legal. No, that is my decision. Well, what about uh, abortion? Well, abortion is different because it involves another child. Um, you know, if, if we think that a child is a child in the womb and we think it's a child just because the mom wants that child and so it's actually a baby and if mom doesn't want it it's just a clump of cells that's insanity that is a sign that you have a serious mental disorder it's always a baby you just don't want to admit it's a baby because then you'd be killing babies but that's becoming more and more popular uh as we uh, as we go now it seems like killing babies and killing perfectly healthy people and um and letting in fact in canada helping teenagers commit suicide because they're depressed i i'm, I'm not somebody that agrees with that and uh i question the doctors that are the reason why i'm talking about this is because i want you to know the left is talking about a dictatorship i'm talking about the constitution the Constitution will tell us that our administrative state is out of control. I don't want anyone to have control where they can write laws and tell us what we have to do through administrative action. We're a republic that should go through Congress and then signed by the president. And if it's unconstitutional, go to the Supreme Court. But the left and Joe Biden has done all kinds of things that are very, very un-American. One of the things that is very American is that we have our own choice. We, we lead our life in a certain way. If I, if I want to do business and do you know, one thing, I can do that as long as I'm not harming others. Uh, but now we're taking this away, and the Department of Health and Human Services have now issued new regulations that rescind conscience protections for doctors and nurses who are forced by their employers to perform procedures that violate their beliefs. So we're talking about forced sterilization, abortion, assisted suicide, gender transition surgeries, this you won't be able to be a doctor if you disagree with doing those things. You're not going to, according to HHS and this new regulation, you no longer have the right to say, I can't do that for religious reasons. This is extraordinarily disturbing because I know who progressives are. Now, you might be a progressive and say, well, I don't agree with the killing people and everything else, but you have to understand if you don't have that understanding, it doesn't mean that other progressives at the top don't have that understanding. You are looking at a group of people, and let's use the WEF, that are truly in a death cult. How could I say that? Well, anyone who says we should get rid of all of our energy before having energy to replace it 
is sentencing millions of people to death in the cold. Um, they're sentencing them to death when it's hot and there's no air conditioning. You're sentencing them to starvation by taking away fertilizer because you put the planet above people eating. Now, there's a happy middle where we can all go, but you don't replace something with nothing. Otherwise, you're causing death. It is truly a death cult. Uh, otherwise, honestly, we would be investigating all of the things that how did COVID happen? Where did it come from? What really happened with the vaccine? What is the danger? But we're not doing any of that. Only crazy people are doing that. Let me tell you how this, how this actually works. And I want to do it by telling you about the crime of the century in the early uh, 20th century. The arrogance of saying something is the crime of the century because you hear that you know over and over and over again throughout a century. But sometime during the uh, evening of March 1st in 1932, there was a 20-month-old baby that was kidnapped, snatched from his cot in the nursery on the second floor of the family house in New Jersey. Dad was downstairs, didn't hear a thing. A broken ladder was found nearby, along with footprints, tire tracks, uh, and on the windowsill, a handwritten ransom note that just said, baby safe, instructions later, act accordingly. It was the crime of the century, and the reason why it was the crime of the century was not because the ransom was $50,000. This is in the 20s, so that was an awful lot of money. That's uh, about a million dollars today. It was paid on April 2nd. It's not because of the biggest manhunt that had ever spread across the U.S. It's not that the poor defenseless baby had been stolen. The reason this was the crime of the century is that the child was the son of Charles Lindbergh. He was the national hero who had completed the first solo flight 3,600 miles nonstop from New York to Paris in 1927. Now... What happened in this is Charles Lindbergh was never investigated. He wasn't considered a suspect. Even when six weeks later the child's battered body was found less than five miles from his home, it was discovered by a pair of delivery drivers who had stopped for a comfort break in the woods. Coroner examined the corpse, determined the cause of death, two heavy blows to the head. Um, Lindbergh Sr. helped lay, lead the investigation, which two years later resulted in the conviction of a German immigrant who was still protesting his innocence as he was strapped to the electric chair. Everyone's heart was broken by the child and uh, Lindbergh's wife, Anne. But is any of that true? Investigation after investigation was stopped. Because Lindbergh was famous, he was connected, he was also a very deep progressive. Now, Lise Perlman, she is a retired judge. She's a celebrated author. She has now come out with evidence that says, no, that's, that's not what happened. She believes that not only did Lindbergh have a hand in his son's death, but he may have sacrificed his son because he was disappointed in his son. He sacrificed his son to medical science 
permitting his pal, uh, Alexis Carroll, the Nobel Prize winning scientist, to experiment on his child, then fake the kidnap to cover up the disappearance and the death of the child. Apparently, Lindbergh was very disappointed that his firstborn son was, quote, in his words, a weakling with an abnormally large head. And so her theory is, is that he thought his child could be more used to medical research than to him and Anne. She says, my theory is the child was operated on. We think at the very least that his carteroid artery and probably his thyroid were taken out and kept viable for 30 days. We think he died on the operating table. But there's more. I think Carol conducted the operation with Lindbergh's permission, and Lindbergh was likely present. It surely beggars belief that Lindbergh, a national celebrity, could have committed such a heinous crime. In 1928, he was Time Magazine's Man of the Year because he's the guy who jump-started air travel. He went on, became a Pulitzer Prize-winning author, explorer, and environmentalist. He was the American dream at the time, but perhaps not. She said she has lots of leads on the, con- uh, on the kidnapping that were not followed. About a dozen state witnesses likely committed perjury, she said, and the prosecution had 90,000 pages of investigation they didn't let the defense see. This throws up some really uncomfortable questions that nobody wants to talk about. And they say these are rumors, but I believe these are facts. He was very anti-Semitic, as was Henry Ford. He was a Nazi sympathizer. Um, He was also a liar and a serial philanderer. Uh, Together, he and Anne had five children, but Lindbergh fathered another seven, the products of three separate affairs happening, and none of his illegitimate children were allowed to know who their dad was until after he died in 1974. He was controlling, he kept a log, a note on each child's trans, uh, transgressions and insisted that Anne record every cent of household expenses in a ledger, but most damningly, he had enthusiasm for eugenics. We, I don't think I need to tell you what eugenics are, um, but he really believed we needed to weed out the weakness and improve the genetic quality of the human population. He also was uh, very much into the pioneering of organ transplant surgery. Makes for disturbing reading. He was obsessed on how we could keep organs alive and be preserved outside of the body long enough to be transplanted. If this would have happened, he would have revolutionized medicine in 1930. But this is where... This is coming from now. The evidence looks like he might have actually been experimenting on his own son. Don't know if this is true, but it should be pursued. The reason why I tell you this story is Lindbergh is very much like some of the people today that you look at. Uh, Noah uh, Haval uh, Harari is one of them. He is a scientist, I guess that you could talk to anybody at Davos, talk to anybody in the elite circles today, and they'll say he's one of the greatest minds ever. However, his words truly echo the early eugenists that say there are unlivable lives, there are going to be useless people, 
and we have to decide what we're going to do with those useless people. His first uh, attempt to deal with them is to drug them and just get them online and keep them online where they can just waste away online. Useless people is also the things that Charles Lindbergh signed up for, the things that anybody who was in the medical field signed up for in Germany. It wasn't the jackbooted thugs that were killing children. It, were, it was doctors and nurses, scientists, and great leaders of the world. It came from America and then went to Germany. So when I read something that Biden has is trying to once again clean out the medical community of anybody who objects to anything because they have a religious conscience, that is a check and a balance on our medical and science community that quite frankly, if you don't think we need it after what happened with COVID, I think you're sadly mistaken. These people are very, very dangerous. Don't be duped. Na, na, na.